The Puritans were harshly persecuted by King James and his son, Charles. During the years of 1620 to 1640, over 80,000 men, women, and children fled England. Some went to the Dutch city of Lisbon, but many went to New England. This is a story of a few of those people. People arriving in New England were well-educated families and wanted a place to worship God. Last week, we talked about John Winthrop. Today, we're talking about some of the other people who arrived in the area where John Winthrop was the governor. One of those men was Thomas Hooker. Thomas Hooker was an amazing preacher and leader in the community. One of the things that Thomas Hooker pushed for in the community was the idea of voting and that everyone should have the right to vote. The idea that every person should have a vote was a radical idea. After a while, Thomas Hooker moved to a new area and started Hartford, Connecticut. He continued to preach about the rights of each person and his idea of voting. He helped write the Connecticut Constitution, and this is what most historians call the first democracy constitution. Today, the state of Connecticut is called the Constitution State, and Thomas Hooker is known as the father of democracy. One of the men who became a Christian under the teachings of Thomas Hooker was a man named John Eliot. John also became a pastor, and he preached at the same church for 50 years. Early on in his ministry, John felt called by God to reach the native people with the gospel. First, he had to learn the language. He did learn the language, and then he also created a written version of the language. He began to preach in the nearby villages, and soon many of the natives became Christians. The Christians started their own village. They named it Rejoicing. Once John had the Bible written in their language, he had to also teach the natives how to read. He also continued to travel to more native tribes and preach. At the same time, he continued to preach and lead his own church. Over the years, John Eliot's mission work led to the start of 14 new Christian villages, over 4,000 natives who became Christians, and he trained 24 native pastors. He created a written version of their language and then translated the Bible into their language. In his old age, he had to stop preaching, and he wondered why God didn't just kill him and bring him to heaven. He wondered if his life had any purpose now that he could no longer travel or preach. Then a young boy fell into a fire and was burned so badly he could no longer see. John took care of the young boy and taught him to memorize the Bible, and made sure he was educated even though he could not attend a school. John died of natural causes in his old age. Another preacher that we must talk about is Roger Williams. Roger was an interesting character, to say the least. As I study his writings and learn more about him, it's a roller coaster of feelings. At some points, I'm in awe of him and other times I'm left scratching my head and wondering what in the world. So Roger preached in New England for over 50 years. He did not, however, see himself as a Puritan, but as a separatist. The Puritans believed they were called by God to purify the Church of England, but they still saw the Church of England as the right and correct church. Roger Williams and the other separatists believe the church needed to start again from scratch, 
and have nothing to do with the Church of England. Roger Williams saw that the church authority in New England was punishing people for not following the Ten Commandments, and the line between civil authority and the Christian faith was blurred at best. He believed if you were forcing someone to follow Jesus and the teachings of the Bible out of fear of punishment of civil authority, then that person was not truly following the Bible. It had to be out of a free will. That put him at odds with the church. But he had another belief that put him at odds with the church and the civil authorities and the King of England. Roger believed that the English were stealing land from the natives. Unlike the Dutch who were creating treaties and paying for their land, the English were claiming land and giving the land away to the pilgrims. Roger believed the crown did not have the right to give away the land, and so he preached that the pilgrims did not actually own the land they were claiming as personal property because it had been given to them by someone who did not have the right to the land in the first place. These two teachings were so controversial that Roger was banished. He was sent to an area that he called Providence Plantation, but today it's called Rhode Island. The first thing that Roger did upon his arrival was create a treaty with the natives and pay them to purchase the land area. This is called the Providence Purchase, and he then started a church. One of the things Roger believed is that no sinner could take communion. He became very strict about who was allowed to have communion. If he saw or heard of a sin in the community, he would not allow them to have communion. Eventually, the list of people allowed to have communion was Roger and his wife. The thing about living with someone is that you find out pretty quickly they're not perfect. And soon his wife was also listed as a sinner and not allowed communion. But the only person you know better than your spouse is yourself. And it didn't take long before Roger had to admit he was also a sinner and should not be taking communion. Roger then took time to study the Bible and the idea of communion. What he came to see is that every believer can take communion and that it is in taking the communion and the time spent meditating on Jesus' death and resurrection that we are reminded of sin we need to confess and that we are inspired to live a better life. After that, he opened up communion to everyone, and he left it up to each individual believer to look into his or her own heart and know if they have unconfessed sins they are unwilling to forsake. It was up to them, not him as the pastor. Roger Williams Church was the first Baptist church in America. It was founded in 1638. It had three core principles— Individuals were allowed to interpret the Bible for themselves, and they were encouraged to read the Bible themselves and question what the preacher was saying. Two, the congregation would be autonomous. They would have no one over them, and their congregation would decide who the pastor and who the deacons would be. This would not be appointed by any other group or church. And three, only believers were to be baptized. Roger named the islands all around where he lived. He named them Patience and Providence, and one very large island he named Hope, and the teeny island next to it he named Despair. In 1644, he was officially given a charter by the King of England, and his settlement became an official colony. Because Roger believed so strongly that people had the right, and even the responsibility to think for themselves, his colony became a very popular one. It was known for its freedom, and people, when given the opportunity, will flock to a place of freedom. One very strange belief that Roger held was the belief of restoration. He believed that the church God created was gone 
and that God was going to send new apostles soon to start a brand new church. One of the families that moved to Rhode Island to live under Roger Williams was the family of Anne Hutchinson. Her family moved to the area looking for religious freedom. We're going to talk about her at the end of this episode. Roger died at age 80, and at the time of his death, most people did not see him as an important preacher. They thought he was radical, and his ideas were radical. However, at the start of the War of Independence that would create America, his writings were published again and spread, and it was his radical ideas that shaped the way America would be formed. Roger started the first Baptist church in America, and today Baptists are the largest Protestant denomination in America and the second largest religious group, Catholics being the largest. One third of the world's Baptists live in America, and many of the Baptists who do not live in America are churches planted that were planted by American missionaries. We're going to end our podcast today with the story of Anne Hutchinson. Anne Hutchinson landed around the same time that John Wilthroff's wife landed. You remember that from our last episode. Anne was a wife and a mother. She would have over 15 children. Anne was a midwife, and she set up her practice. She was very popular. Anne was really smart and really well-educated. She was also not afraid to give her opinion on things, even biblical things. Anne would talk to her patients about the Bible and give her opinions on the sermons from the Sunday church service. Soon people were coming to Anne to hear her talk about the Bible. Her Bible studies would have over 100 people, and they were just sitting in her home. Anne believed the Puritan church had added too many rules, and they'd become legalistic. They had, in her opinion, become grace plus works. She believed in free grace. Anne was a very strong Calvinist, and believed that the elect were saved no matter what they did. She also started to teach that her spiritual gifting was the ability to know who were the elect and who were not. This final teaching was the nail in her coffin. Anne was a female, and the Bible said she should not be preaching. Her Bible studies were getting to be more of a preaching than simply people talking about the Bible. She was not ordained to preach and had no authority to be preaching. And she was teaching what they believed to be heresy. Most of her teachings were on legalism, free grace, and that she could see the elect. John Wilthrow was the one who took her to court. She stood her ground and presented her beliefs in a fair and reasonable way. Many people were persuaded by her. But the court found her guilty and she was forced to leave. So her and her family and over 60 of her followers left and moved to Rhode Island and lived under Roger Williams. After a few years, Anne's husband died and she decided to move her family to the Dutch settlement of New Netherlands. We talked about the settlement in our episodes The Dutch Golden Age and Adrian Vanderdonk. In 1643, Anne moved her family to New Netherlands and settled there. However, the Dutch were in the middle of a war with the natives, and her family farm was attacked. Anne and all of her children were murdered. It was a sad ending to a woman who had been a trailblazer to say the least. We may not agree with her theology, but to have a successful business as a midwife, while being a wife and mother to such a large family, all while also preaching the Bible and leading others, that's a lot for a person. But for sure, that's a lot for a woman living in the 1600s in the roughness of New England. Next week, we're going to look at the Dutch community a little more. So you may want to refresh your memory by re-listening to those episodes. The Dutch Golden Age and Adrian Vanderdonk. 
we're going to look at a man who arrives at the Dutch community, not as a man on an adventure into a new world, but a slave stolen from his land. You are not going to want to miss this episode. So make sure you subscribe and share these episodes out for others to listen to. In the meantime, for more blogs, podcasts, and videos, check out my website, lauraleesiemens.com. 